Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Jackie Mitchell. This is where we pick the best brains in the business world and you, the listener, feel like you are eavesdropping on a really interesting coffee conversation to give you and your business the inside edge. We take a look into the business mindsets of leaders and brands and probe into how they think, feel, learn, manage teams and themselves. We love sharing the knowledge and serve brain food to keep your business mind healthy. To continue the conversation, you can connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. So while our first guest settles in, orders their coffee, grab yourself one and we'll be right back after this. Welcome back. Our next guest is a former Washington DC news correspondent, humanitarian aid worker and communications specialist. She was a TV news reporter covering major news events for Al Jazeera English, the Pentagon Channel, the Seven Network and Reuters, including the US presidential election and Hurricane Katrina. She then became a media officer for an international aid organisation. And then she was hired to serve as Senior Communication Director for the largest grassroots advocacy program or movement in the world. She now heads up Career CEO, one of the fastest growing executive training programs in Australia. She's a regular commentator for the Sydney Morning Herald, Sky Business News and her new book, Future Fit, How to Stay Relevant and Competitive in the Future of Work. I've been looking forward to chatting today. Welcome, Andrea Clark. Thanks, Jackie. That all sounds very serious, doesn't it? It does. Well, you know, I, I was looking at it and go, how do I edit this? And it, it, I just thought it's too good not to talk about, you know. Um, oh, thanks. That's kind. Yeah. No, well, I think it's true. And, and I think in Australia particularly, uh, and with your international experience, I don't know if you'll agree or disagree, but Australian business people aren't so great at telling everyone the, the facts. You know, they think it's, you know, tall poppy or big noting themselves mm. or something. And I think, look, if you've got the runs on the board, share it. Mm. Thank you. I do think it's important when when you're when you've got things that are a matter of fact over opinion. I do think it's important to share because you know that value is it's important in the context of you know what we're always talking about, whether that be the value we bring to a business or the value that we bring to you know running us uh, running our own operation. Yeah, and I actually read your book, Uh, and I read most books, but I don't read all of them to be honest, because I you know like I'd sort of it's a bit. I sort of flick through and I read bits of it and I go, yeah, I know that bit and move on and all that sort of stuff. But I actually got caught in yours and I thought to myself, what was it about this? Because I do read a lot. I get sent a lot of these business books. What was about (laughs) yours that was different? And uh, as a marketer, I'm always looking for that point of difference. And I loved how you actually shared, you told a story. Uh, And it wasn't like reading a textbook, which I read a lot of as well, uh, which can be very dry. But you actually shared your story and then linked that back to how, you know, you could improve that in your work or this is the skill you need or these skills were transferable. So congratulations. I thought it was wonderful. Have you won any business awards yet? Because I've got a feeling that some might be on on their way. Oh, you're so kind, and I really appreciate your your words and your feedback. I think it's really important to put a narrative around anything that we're trying to communicate because we have a greater chance of it having impact with the audience. So, no, I haven't. I have not won any awards on this on this one yet, but I have entered. Um, I have entered two book awards, and I'm. It's just so lovely to be able to do that. So, you know, I have yet to understand what the outcome of those are. They're a few weeks away, I think. Yeah, well, uh, I've spoken to two futurists today and it, it sort of made me a little bit sort of, 
overconfident with me being a futurist, you know, and I thought to myself, and I kept, I, I was in the interview, I could feel myself, I, I feel and I could hear myself say, I think the future is this. And I'm thinking, come on, Jackie, you're not a futurist, but I'm going to predict that it will get some awards. So it was really great. So yeah. future fit, how to stay relevant and competitive in the future of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was, and there were some elements that I, that really stood out to me, Andrew, and I just wanted to, <laughs> touch on them um one thing that uh i did i actually had a laugh out loud moment uh and it was about your resting bitch face i thought that was fabulous because it was about knowing who you are and knowing your superpower Mm -hmm. just tell us a little bit about that well this is about knowing and and understanding the value of our reputation capital across the marketplace in which we're active and and what i meant about that particular story was you know i had one perception of how I was I was being perceived in you know in the marketplace, and that happened to be a reference to a LinkedIn photograph that I had as my headshot. And when I and I guess it was a fairly serious looking headshot. And when I met up with someone in a cafe um, for a, obviously a business related meeting, the first thing they said to me was, "Look, you know I don't mean to be rude, but you're a lot friendlier in person than I was expecting." And that was a really important moment for me because it was only then that I realised the photograph I'd had as a, as a headshot, um, you know, was was too assertive and wasn't really, you know, uh, an equal um, sort of representation of what I am like in person. So, you know, that's a very small part of our overall sort of personal brand and reputation capital, but it's really important to know what are the signals that I'm sending through my online presence and does that match up? with what I'm like in person because ideally we want that to be on equal ground. Yeah, and you also used that to your advantage in the story when you were in Baghdad, I think it was, uh, when you said you used your best resting bitch face to actually to express that you were not happy or trying to get something or, or trying to look tough, I think you were trying to be. Yeah, that's right. It was at the moment that I was coming through customs in the Baghdad airport and I engaged my resting this face you know, as a defence mechanism because it was an incredibly serious situation and, you know, I wanted to look like I was tough enough to get through the airport, you know, without anyone messing with me and, and you know, sort of give that impression off. So that was that was sort of the relevance of that particular yeah, story. And yeah, and look, I really like that, that, that self-awareness and using your weapons and leading on to personal branding. I mean, you, you do spend a lot of time on that. Uh, and I think that was really refreshing uh, to hear because it's an area that, that I am particularly fond of. Yeah, uh, and you yeah. talk about distilling who you are if you were to own a word and or as I called the the jus of you. I think I was inspired I after that. MasterChef. But, uh, but sort of yeah. understanding, you know, who is what values do you have? But not only about you, it's about what's relevant to your customers. So it's yeah. that inside-out, outside-in thinking. So I really enjoyed that and I really liked the candid, credible and conversational as three sort of areas mm. that you tick. You tick the, is it candid tick? Is it credible tick? Is it conversational tick? How did you get to those three? Oh, I love that you described that as a view of you. I love that. It's really terrific. And this is such an important part of understanding our value you know, in our community. And what I love about this is it's such a great opportunity for all of us to take control of of, you know, of how we want to be remembered in the workplace and what we bring, the value that we bring to the workplace. So um, for me, this is about understanding how we're truly unique in, in the business 
and how we're truly unique across an industry, but also how we articulate that value because we're all so very good at advocating for others and at PRing others um, when it comes to getting promotions and getting, you know, tasks done and new projects. But often the gap that I see in my practice is we, you know, we don't have that ability when it comes to ourselves. So I really love people to examine how am I truly unique, you know, um, in myself and how would I describe that in a, in a candid conversational way when I'm talking to people because it's really important for us all to set that intention with people around us because if someone's going to be advocating for us when we are not in the room, then what do we want that to sound like? What do we want people saying about us when we're not in the room? Exactly. And uh, I also loved your background as a journalist really came through and it was really, uh, it was so insightful and there's so many tips about being trained as a journalist. I, I've worked in media but not as a journalist but I've worked with some amazing journalists and have learnt a lot through them and, and it was really nice for you to actually share that experience firsthand and then apply that to business life and one in another uh, area that I really liked was silence and pauses are like white space <laughs> in design. That was brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I think our use of language, I mean, to speak with authority and to communicate with impact means understanding our vocal techniques, our use of language and our body language. And when it comes to use of language, it's very easy to downplay our expertise before we even get onto the content in a conversation. So we need to figure out, well, what are the words that we're using, those tentative expressions and those self-dimension qualifiers that, that, that undermine our authority in that moment? And as you just mentioned, you know, those are words that are as simple as, you know, just, you know, I'm just here because of this. And it's also about understanding how powerful silence is and how when we embrace silence and pause, we can draw more attention to a subject or an initiative or a pitch that we want to get across the line. Yeah, if you look at the great entertainers in the history of the world, mm-hmm. they understand that. If they're mm-hmm. in, in, a, in a stadium, in an arena, and wanting to have all, you know, 100,000 people eating out of their hands, they know exactly how to manage that. And that's business people... We all have to speak at some point, whether it's speaking in front of a team, whether it's speaking at a seminar or conference, pitching for business. There's so many ways that we can do that. So understanding those techniques can be a real game changer, can't it? Oh, completely. This is about having presence. And part of having presence is understanding that you can have more influence when you, you know, by staying silent and by only speaking up when it's relevant. If, if, say, for example, you're around a boardroom table. But to draw attention and to command presence, you know, means being comfortable in that space and being and, and means being comfortable with the content. So in many, in many um, contexts, that means knowing when to pause for a few seconds, you know, knowing when to wait for an audience to settle down before you open a keynote. And it means just understanding, reading the room and making sure that you're signalling that natural composure. Mm, Yeah. And I also liked your not learning is the new stupid. Well, I I have been busy is the Mm. new stupid, but I sort of think it's it's a sort of very similar thing. Well, you know, you're obviously a dedicated continuous learner, Jackie, and I think it's a a great, it is the most valuable uh, you know, skill that we will all need in the future of work. When the World Economic Forum says that we'll need 25 days a year of continuous learning just to keep up with what's going on, 
I think they've got a very valid point. Even if we allocate three or four days a quarter to our own development, that is going to be time extremely well spent. So I'd like to ask your audience how much time they've dedicated to their own continuous learning in the next 12 months. And, and could you consider, might you consider allocating and blocking a couple of full days for your own sort of upskilling? I think it's an incredibly important part of being relevant and retraining and modifying our skills you know, to be aligned with a workplace that's taking on and adapting technology at a different pace. Yeah, I think that's going to be the difference between those that succeed and don't. Yeah. And sadly, it's sort of a paradox in a way where small business owners or entrepreneurs, I haven't got time to do that because they say it a day and doesn't make any sense, does it? No, and I'm constantly hearing that. I'm constantly also investing a lot of my own time in my own continuous learning. And yes, it's time consuming and yes, it can be, it can be costly depending on what you decide to invest in, but there is always a payoff, always an upside to investing in yourselves. And I and I feel like those people who who ignore it do it at their own at their own risk. And I think that, you know, that that consequence may not be obvious immediately, but it will it, you know, it will handicap people in the next couple of years. Yeah, there's some good shortcuts you can do that. Like hang out with people yeah. not like you, you know. Um, just yeah, Definitely. just put yourself in situations where they're not going to think the same as you and then listen to what they say and, and, and oh. li- listen to podcasts while you're driving. I mean, there's lots of lots of things you could do. That's right. That is all, for me, all of that's upskilling, all of that's continuous learning, whether it's a 30-minute podcast or showing up to a conference for two hours. There are, there are absolutely there are many, many ways to, to upgrade your own mindset. So take advantage of all of them that are around you and take it seriously. Yeah. Now, just to finish off, there was another part of the book that I have to mention. I thought, do I say it or not? But I just loved it. And it was about the story about Namaste. Was was that you doing yoga or was that a friend? I couldn't remember now. Um, Do you remember that? Blanking, I'm blanking okay, that. no, um, I, I haven't given yeah. you many clues. So I think oh. it was either you or a friend was doing yoga and they kept for the first time and they kept hearing namaste and they thought that the instructor was saying no mistakes. <laughs> oh, that was, um, yeah, I think I was probably referring to myself and a couple of girlfriends. We all had this conversation because I'm more of a Pilates person than a yoga person. I kind of feel like you're one or the other. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, ho- I, I, you know, I really enjoyed writing about my own experiences through this. And I try to pepper them occasionally to give, you know, to give the book a bit of colour and a bit of movement. So, you know, I'm glad that you picked up on those, those you know, those sort of personal narratives that I think tie in everything. Well, I just thought it was lovely, but I loved the optimism that you thought Namaste said no mistakes, and you thought that oh, what a lovely thing to say at the end of yeah. at the end of a session. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. so, you know what? It's, exactly. I can now never listen to someone say Namaste and not think of no yeah. mistakes. So, no thank mistake. you for putting oh. a lovely positive thought in my mind. Uh, oh, I really enjoyed it, Andrea Clark. It was a delight. Future Fit: How to Stay Relevant and Competitive in the Future of Work. Um, I highly recommend it. I don't highly recommend a lot of books and I really highly recommend this. Well, I think also it helps the fact that you're a journalist, so it was well-written. I mean, I did notice a difference and that's no disrespect to business owners because writing a book's really tough, uh, really, really tough. So I don't take that away from them. But, look, I really enjoyed it. Congratulations. I wish you continued success. Thank you so much. It was 
It was such a wonderful project to work on and I'm so happy to hear your feedback. It means a lot, Jackie. Thank you so much for having me. That's a pleasure. Look forward to our next encounter. You're listening to the best brains in the business world. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to Taking Care of Business. Our next guest works with businesses to use social media for business gain without the BS. I like that bit. I'd I'd love to welcome our next guest, Nicola Morass. How are you, Nicola? I'm excellent. How are you, Jackie? Good. I like that. That that certainly got my attention because (laughs) I think social media is one of those, uh, it's sort of like the big buzzword at the moment. Everyone's talking Mm -hmm. about it and there's lots of sharks out there, lots of people you know, promising the world and not delivering. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this online world with no BS and people are really struggling, partic- particularly anyone sort of north of 45 in my experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're usually the business owners and so they're being led up the garden path a lot. And yeah. I thought, I need to talk to you about this. Is that sort of where that BS, <laughs> no BS came from? It really is. You know, there are so many people, and you're right, 45 and over, and and some below that as well, actually. It's just, there's so much information out there, a lot of misinformation out there, and it's not, you know, hands up of how many of us have got a whole bunch of time, particularly as business owners, Mm. to spend trying to work out what the heck works, what doesn't, and... I think the bigger question is, well, why do I need to do it and how is this actually going to help grow the business, which, you know, leads to return on investment for time invested and and all that kind of stuff. So that's really why I wrote this is because there is just so much noise out there around what you need to do, what platforms you need to be on and everything else in between. So Yeah, now we should talk about what you've written is a book called Visible. Uh, and how did the name Visible come about? It's one of those things. It wasn't the original name. I can't even remember what I thought the name might be, actually. But it was just throughout the process of of writing what I was writing, it, it was sort of like, well, you know, this is really helping people go from business owners, go from feeling really invisible online to confused and overwhelmed. So, well, like, what's the consequence of doing this? I was like, well, you're visible. So, sort of like you're originally going to be invisible to visible, but that's really hard to say. <laughs> so, I just kind of decided to drop the first bit and run with visible. That the main reason for staying with that name is because it's, it's the culmination of you being consistent, putting yourself out there, doing it in a way that really works for you. Visible is almost the, the byproduct of you doing all of that. Right. So with social media, uh, mm. I noticed here that you talk about um, that you help clients and people around the world with the social media and marketing strategies uh, to help these clients become professionally famous and I Mm -hmm. I did like that in I'm doing air quotation marks as I'm doing that professionally famous online Mm -hmm. what are some of the benefits like why would someone want to be professionally famous what's the what's the benefit of that great question so to me if we think about why we'd want to use social media as business owners, it's in order to 
grow our businesses. The ultimate aim for a business owner is to make money as well as, you know, by doing the work that you do in whichever way, shape or form you do that. So the professionally famous comes in and, and is beneficial because you become sought after in your industry. You can become seen as an expert, provided you've got the, the evidence online there to back that up, obviously. You've got the ability to be able to use your positioning as a way of being able to cut through the noise and really be able to stand out. So what our audiences, no matter what business that you're looking that you're in, what our audiences are looking for is someone to trust. They're looking for people who are telling them the truth, who are there to help them, and who they can follow without being sold to every moment of every time of every day when they come across you. So, Is, is there a formula that you use? I've read in the past and, it, and it's always different. Everyone's got their own different formula where they yes. put, you know, it's a 752 rule or mm-hmm. something like that. Have you got some formula that you use? I, I'd suggest that we, I call it value stacking. So something that I talk about in the book and I talk about with every client of mine actually is that you want to put out a good five pieces of content, value-based content, without making an offer. So we're not talking about how to download my book or come to this workshop or sign up for my coaching package or buy my widget thing. We want to give people a good five pieces of value-based content before anything and then say, well, like, this is how you can get some help from me. And then we keep repeating that process. So is it, is it 5-1? Is it 5-1? So five sort of value yep. add, then one buy this? Call the action, yep. Yeah, okay. And then what about your view on people getting to know the person behind the profile? <laughs> I am, but for most companies, most businesses, I recommend that. Now, if you're in a larger organisation, that might be a little bit different. You would empower someone in your team, champion someone in your team to be the face of social media, ideally, or a few people to be the face of social media. Talking about small business and entrepreneurs, startups, anything like that, I advocate for you really showcasing you. Humans buy from humans, right? Mm-hmm. So I think there's a really big problem out there where many people are hiding behind the facade of pretty pictures and and not actually sharing themselves, not sharing their stories. And we're all looking for connection and we're all looking for people to trust because there is a lot of people out there, like what you were saying before, there's a lot of people out there that are just putting their stuff all over the place. So they're looking for people that they can really get to know and really get to trust. And that, by putting yourself out there, by really helping people get to see you in different facets, really helps you to shortcut that trust-building process. Yeah. Now, I don't I'm, don't want me to offend you, but no. I'm always... the I, I, I'm not sure... I don't think there's that you can use the word expert in social media only because mm-hmm. it changes so quickly and so often 
that I'm mm. thinking, well, how do you keep up to date with all these changes? So it's hard to be an expert when things are moving so quickly. Is it moving as quickly as it's perceived to be? That is an excellent question. And I, okay, so yeah, things change all the time. Right? Things change all the time. Algorithms change and, and things like that change all the time. The thing that doesn't change is relationship building and emotional direct response marketing. So when we're looking at the methodology that I advocate for, which is showcasing you, sharing you, value stacking, knowing your audience really, really well and solving problems for them through the content, the value-rich content that you're putting out, that doesn't stop working if an algorithm changes. It doesn't stop working if the internal workings of a platform change. So, yeah, different things change all the time in social media. But if we look at the fundamentals of human behaviour, of how people build trust and how people build relationships, that does not change. And that's essentially what we're applying into social media using these strategies. That's a great answer. Now, just Thanks. quickly for those that are a little bit unfamiliar with social media and I get asked mm -hmm. a lot of questions, people get confused. So let's, let's, uh, let's create an avatar. Let's create someone mm -hmm. that's, an, that's an entrepreneur uh, and they're wanting to, they've, they've got a service or product that they're selling, but they're mm -hmm. selling themselves as well as mm -hmm. the face of their business. Mm -hmm. And uh, and they go, well, where do I start? Do I do, and of course they've got to start where their audience is, but then you go, mm -hmm. well, they're confused Facebook versus Instagram versus Twitter. So the three, mm -hmm. let's use those three platforms. Link, mm -hmm. LinkedIn I think is pretty self-explanatory, but I think Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, people get a bit confused about the three platforms and what mm -hmm. they should be using them for. Can you yeah. just give a very quick, simple explanation of the difference between those three platforms? Certainly. So Instagram is very image-driven. So if you are, for example, you were talking about an avatar of, of an entrepreneur, so use a graphic designer, for example, you could go and put out some photos and some imagery of your work or some things that inspire you. So Instagram is primarily about images with a little bit of text. LinkedIn is purely is mainly business connections. Twitter is very short, sharp bursts of text. You can still put images in there as well, but it's really, really super fast-paced. Excellent for journalists and authors and, and people like that. Facebook has got a, it's a bit of a blend with the, with Instagram, Twitter and, and well, Facebook. So you can use images, but you can also just do text posts as well. So... Facebook is kind of like the, the the best hybrid, if you like, for the different ways of being able to share information. Instagram and it actually has a as a user base of 2.2 billion active users, so it's also got the biggest audience base. People spend on average 40 minutes a day on Facebook. You've got a really great chance of being able to capture their information or capture their attention, rather. In Instagram, with the images and, and things like that flowing through, that's really great. I think there was, uh, I haven't got the stats in front of me, but it's a, it's a lot more image-driven. It's a lot harder to capture their attention on Instagram because it's so fast-moving. Mm. And on Twitter, I would be, I wouldn't start there, to be honest. If you're time poor, 
go with Facebook, go with Instagram. I would probably lean towards Instagram over Twitter and generally over LinkedIn as well for an entrepreneur and then use your website versus trying to make Twitter work for you. Yeah, so that's, I'm glad you mentioned the website because uh, mm. lots of research say that websites like three or four on the list when people are looking for you, they'll go to mm-hmm. their, to your social media platforms first where it used to be the default used to be straight to your website. Mm. Uh, so, look, I think there's still value in putting into your website but I think it's time mm-hmm. some, some of the effort that you put into your website in the past, that time and effort, resources and money can be put into your social media as part of your digital presence Mm -hmm. would that be consistent with what you'd recommend yeah it it does it is yes I would certainly recommend your website that that is it's I promote and advocate for a three pillar strategy to start with particularly if you're starting out and there's always Facebook your website and then depending on where your audience is hanging out then that you choose your third platform being Instagram or LinkedIn or Twitter so your website just gives someone a place to go and do some more research on you without all the noise of a news feed to try and scroll through. So I think it's it's still important. It's not the first priority necessarily like what it used to be say, 10 years ago. Yeah, but it's still part of that... Uh Part of your key toolkit, I would absolutely. say. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Nick, uh, Nicola, congratulations. Is this your first book? I uh, it's my first book about marketing. Yes. Excellent. Well, uh, congratulations. It's always tricky uh, writing books and uh, often that's the bit that people don't discuss a lot about. They think, oh, I'll just write a book. It's easy. It's not. Uh, So well done on doing that. It's called Visible. It's available now where everywhere you can buy books, I'm assuming. Yes. Great. And uh, and have you been getting some uh, really good feedback on it? Really great feedback. There's really, really great feedback in terms of it's not just a theoretical book. There's worksheets, there's things to do, there's activities in there so that you're also implementing the knowledge. And we've had people coming back saying that they are having great results from following the strategies that are that are outlined in there. So I'm just it's it's very humbling actually. Great. It's <laughs> so, really exciting. Well it is very exciting. So embrace the moment. Uh, it's Thank it's an you. exciting time, Nicola. And if people want to find out more about you, where's the best place they should start? <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> Facebook, there we are, of course. Facebook, my Excellent. Website, Excellent. <laughs> Nicola Morace, thank you very much for your valuable time today and I look forward to our next encounter and I'll go back and revisit my social media strategy now. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. You're listening to Taking Care of Business right here on Adore PFM. Welcome back to Taking Care of Business now. And next guest is talking about a topic that's very close to my heart. It's all about branding. He is an entrepreneur and brand building specialist who helps senior leaders and teams build customer-led growth strategies. He's the co-founder of Agents of Spring and Quest Beverages. And he's just released his first book, which I love the title of, Brand Hustle. like to welcome to the program Troy McKenna. Thanks for having me, Jackie. Good to have you here. Brand Hustle, great title. Was that hard to come up with? Oh, there were a few iterations to it. Uh, one of the, the, the working titles the whole way through the book was Rapid Branding. But, uh, oh, okay. yeah, Brand Hustle just ended up having a bit more uh, 
bit more character and a bit more intrigue to it. So that's what I went with. Definitely. Now, your first book, how was the, how was the process for you? Uh, good, good. It's, yeah, it's um, a fascinating process. It took about 12 months of researching and writing. Uh, had some amazing interviews along the way. And I found the hardest bit, the last pieces of just getting, making sure there's no typos and all that, those little things you don't think about. But, um, yeah, it was good. It was good to put uh, a good chunk of time into something uh, so it help, really helps uh, crystallise my thinking and the space as well, which is good. Yeah, okay. Oh, that's, a, that, that's a good point. A bit like when people write uh, award submissions, they always say businesses, it helps them sort of get some clarity and crystallise their thinking. And I suppose a book would do a similar process. It's probably more a robust process, writing a book, I'd imagine. Did, did you, I'm just curious, because I always uh, know how difficult it is to write a book and everyone's got different styles. So did you have a, a format or a formula that you'd write, you know, two hours a day or, or how, what, what, what was your process? Uh, I actually found that uh, for the first hour or so that I sat down, it, was a, it took me a long time to get my head into it. So in the end, what I was doing was putting whole di- days aside on the weekends and sitting at a desk all day. And what I found was a few hours into it, I'd really start to get into a flow and then I'd try and crack a chapter in a day uh, was the approach. Right, okay, it's interesting. All right, now let's talk about this book and your background and it's uh it's certainly sparked my interest uh being in the field of branding and, and in marketing and in uh in your bio here particularly on the book uh the brief here it says it's time to reinvent marketing and uh and i just thought here here so that certainly grabbed grabbed my attention uh and then the bit about how impatient organizations are when they want to build brands so fast uh has that changed in your experience? You're finding that more organisations are going, come on, faster, 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 as opposed to let's be more strategic? What's your view? Yeah, I think most businesses are getting faster and I think it's, uh, you know, it's just a general business culture at the moment of, you know, uh, startups being able to disrupt big businesses really quickly. And so, you know, historically you'd be able to put in place a, a three-year plan and be competing against other companies that would have the same sort of time horizon and, it was all pretty safe and uh, known. These days, you can put a plan in place, and you know, within a few weeks, some startup has beat you to the punch or has done something different that's really disrupting your business. So, businesses are just reacting a lot quicker these days. And I think the biggest thing is uh, everyone's chasing short-term financial results. You know, whether it's this quarter or mm-hmm. this twelve months. And so, the idea of investing something that might take a year or two to pay back. Uh, is a bit foreign to most businesses. So, yeah, things are changing a lot and things are getting a lot faster. So how do we then stop brands from suffering? Well, I think the big part, of, which I try and get to in the book, is there There are things you can do in the short term that do ladder up to a bigger picture and, and uh, you know, build for the future. Uh, and equally, there are things you can do that... Um, give you short-term results but don't necessarily do anything more than that. Uh, mm. And I think there's a really nice study that was done by a couple of scientists out of the UK called The Long and the Short of It, and they, they talked about that. There's this, you know, you can do promotional stuff like price discounts or giveaways or win this, uh, and you can get a really good return within those few weeks that the promotion's on, but then your sales drop back right to where you were before you started mm. versus investing in something like a a uh, big ad campaign or some really innovative products uh, that take a long time to build 
but you'll get the longer term payback out of that. And so, yeah, it's just trying to find that balance. But I think there's lots of things you can do that do ladder up to a bigger picture. Right, you've uh, you've worked with some uh, big brands, Mars, Snickers, Schweppes, Gatorade, uh, and you've also just you've got your own startup. So this is really this is really exciting. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so uh, I was at Schweppes for about four and a half years, working on all the drinks uh, portfolio, and uh, I guess what I saw there was lots of opportunity, but a big business couldn't really tackle it well, and uh, had lots of barriers to getting into the more innovative space. So uh, we've started a business called Quest Beverages. Um, our first product uh, is a mineral water brand called Calm and Stormy. And uh, I guess the problem we're solving for people is that uh, people find... they need, or Everyone knows they should be drinking two litres of water a day, but they find it boring. Uh, so we found a way to make it, make it more interesting with a, a great water source from a dormant volcano and gives us nice mineral content. But I guess the real thing that's changing is the, uh, the issue of single-use plastic and plastic are the, you know, a huge issue for the planet. Uh, and so we're packaging our product in aluminium cans. Now, aluminium is the most recycled, has the highest recycled content and uh, the most likely to get recycled again. So it's um, the most sustainable packaging alternative there is. So we're, we're in the early stages, about 18 months into that journey of uh, getting it out there, um, having great success, sort of finding little pockets that are, too uh, small or off the radar for the big guys, and we're just, um, you know, trying to build solid foundations for the business uh, that we can set it up for the long term. Oh, that's that's wonderful. Now I have to ask my curiosity, which is uh, related to someone we both know, Yvette Cordy, uh, who is your partner in life, and she wrote a wonderful book called Cultivating Curiosity, who I've had on the show. So you can blame Yvette for sparking my curiosity. <laughs> but where whereabouts is the volcano? Uh, about 80 kilometres out of Melbourne towards uh, Ballarat. Oh, uh, okay. So you wouldn't have thought it, but there's, uh, yeah, there's a whole, um, the Victorian Central Highlands, a lot of it was uh, um, based on dormant volcanoes. So, uh, yeah, nice little water source. What we found is that it, it, the water filters through for about 30 years and picks up this nice mineral content, but it also acts like a, a nice little crater, so it keeps the water above the table lands and sort of protects it and keeps it pristine and clean for us. How did you find it? Uh, a bit of industry intel and a bit of uh, snooping around and right. a bit of uh, a lot of conversation. Fa- absolutely fascinating. Now the brand Calm and Stormy, how did you come up with that for a name? Uh, we use the process we use in Agents of Spring which is uh, a sort of rapid prototyping approach. Um, but we had about uh, a hand or a handful of different territories we went after. In the end, we had about 15 different designs and different names. Uh, and so basically our approach was to get um, an alternative in front of people as quick as we could. Uh, and so we used um, a range of designers to get um, alternative designs. And then we, at our local printer, got a couple of $2 stickers printed and stuck them on cans and brought consumers in to talk about that and went to retailers and talked to retailers about that and just learned from that and we did about five rounds of prototyping to the point where we were happy with that and then obviously tasting of the water sources to get to the best uh, the best alternative yeah look i think there's such a great lesson in there troy you know for uh, entrepreneurs startups new businesses is just to test test keep testing and keep testing and not wait not not 
waiting for it to be perfect but actually test and adjust test and adjust I think that's a really really great story I love I love the volcano bit at the end now back to the book brand hustle I'm curious now as well to the term hustle it's obviously a bit of a a, a trending word at the moment we keep hearing about everyone having these side hustles Uh, is that where you've got the inspiration to call it brand hustle or what's the story behind that yeah definitely it's sort of trying to borrow from the I guess, that entrepreneurial culture that's coming through. Um, but I guess my key message is, you know, I sort of started writing this and I, I've spent role time in a CMO role and talked to a lot of CMOs and know a lot. And, you know, traditionally marketing approach would take a few years to develop up a, a plan and, you know, it might be a couple of years to actually execute something and get in the market. But the tenure of a CMO is getting shorter and shorter. So... Actually, they're running out of time in the job to get to, to a point where they make an impact. Now, you compare that to a startup business that uh, you know doesn't have time to wait around and it's just got to get stuff happening as quick as possible. Um, and so I think it's bringing that entrepreneurial spirit into marketing, which is traditionally a bit longer term and a bit slower, uh, and particularly bringing it into an established business as well. Yeah, in the book you talk uh, about brand building and use some great practical case studies. Uh, what's some of the uh, the ugly of brand building? You talk about good, bad and ugly and I'm attracted directly to the ugly. Can you give an example of uh, a super ugly brand building case study? Uh, well, actually one of the early ones I talk about in the book is the Holton Commodore and you know, I sort of pick on them a bit but Equally, I think there's lots of brands that have been in the same space, which is they just haven't moved. And so Holden Commodore was the number one car in Australia for, you know, for ages. Uh, and it's now, you know, fast disappearing and, you know, potentially won't even be on our roads anymore. And I think, you know, what happened there was that, you know, they have a, a new product cycle of five years to build a new car. Um, they just didn't listen to the customer enough, didn't move fast enough. Their marketing campaigns that are really anchored on, uh, you know, V8 Mocars at Bathurst and, you know, just didn't talk to um, the Australian drivers anymore. And so while they were doing that, the SUV categories popped up with something a bit sexier and a bit more practical for families to fit all the gear in with all the kids and toys and so on. Um, you know, and equally the, the trading market's gone to much bigger use. Uh, and so I think they just didn't move fast enough uh, and as a result has gone from number one to, you know, rapidly disappearing. Yeah, that's a really great example. I'm also uh, interested in your view of the concept of branding. It used to sit uh, in the advertising agency. They used to be the custodians of the brand about 20 years ago and then it sort of moved a bit more strategically, which was which was a good move. And uh, I'm sort of seeing now that social media is now trying to get a piece of it. What's your experience on your view of where brand sits now in the marketing and business world? Uh, I think the concept of brand is, is sort of usually sat with marketing, but I think what a brand actually is is it's um, it's more than just the logo and the packaging design and the name. It's it's all the touch points for a customer. So really, the entire business should be lined up between behind delivering a brand experience mm-hmm. for their customers. Uh, and I, I and I think it's you know you're right. Everyone's trying to get a, a part of it. Um, Social media is really a, a tactic on how you communicate. It's not really the, the brand strategy, but I think 
you know, the, the challenge for a lot of marketers is getting sucked into uh, a lot of short-term fads and, um, you know, noise, I guess, if, you know, what's the latest algorithm doing on, you know, Google or Instagram, and so how do we adapt to that? So I think, you know, there's definitely a strategic part to marketing. There needs to be someone leading the brand, but equally there needs to be lots of parts of the business that are lined up behind that to, the, to deliver, you know, what the customer needs. Yeah, I I couldn't agree with you more. Now, Troy, if you were to stand up in front of third-year business students majoring in marketing and give them some advice before they're about to step out of the uh, comfort of university life into real world and getting marketing jobs, what bit of advice would you give them? Oh, that's a tricky one. I was actually talking to someone I studied marketing with 20 years ago recently and and we were reflecting on how very little of our marketing degree actually was relevant in a true <laughs> yes. business environment, Yeah, uh, which is, you know, I've had that moment with a, a, a marketing graduate coming into a business and realising that he, he didn't really learn much and he had to learn it all again. Mm. Um, I, I think uh, I think my biggest piece of advice is get, is get your hands dirty and um, get, uh, get involved in a business of some sort uh, as soon as you can uh, and... The other piece which I have practised through, throughout my career is understand not just the brand you're working on but as many as possible. So I always made it a job to understand what my colleagues were up to or, or sort of networking within the industry and talking to other brand custodians and talking about what their challenges they're facing or what they're up to and what's working and what's not because it's a, you know, it's a, it's, I, I think it's marketing and building a brand is, probably the hardest role you can have within the business because it does take so many facets. So it is a, it is a constant learning exercise and what you've learned at mar- in a marketing degree at university um, will have a pretty short shelf life in terms of being able to be, have a long-term career in marketing. Yeah, because things are changing so much so it's important to, to keep on top of things and those listening that want to keep on top of things with branding, I recommend... Troy McKinnon's new book, Brand Hustle, Four Critical Foundations to Accelerate Brand Growth. Troy, if anyone wants to continue the conversation with you, they can find you on your website, agentsofspring.com, LinkedIn and Instagram. Definitely. Yes, no, definitely get in touch. If anyone's got a good meaty brand challenge they want to talk about, give me a call or or get in touch over the the internet. Uh, We'd love to try and help out. That sounds wonderful. Really appreciate your time today. Thanks for being part of the show. Great. Thank you, Jackie. Great. Thank you. We love hustling here on Taking Care of Business as we speak to some of the best brains in the business world and uh, an eavesdrop on uh, really interesting cafe conversations. We'll be right back after this short break. That's the end of another stimulating show. We hope you've enjoyed eavesdropping on our conversation, picked up some tips, learned something new, or at the very least feel inspired. If you just joined us, you've missed a lot, but the podcast will be available on my social media, Jackie Mitchell. Thank you to our worldly and thought-provoking guests. We look forward to your company next Friday. In the meantime, keep taking care of your business mindset.